Hey guys, Eric from Working Dog Radio. I want to talk to you about one of my favorites, and that is Dogtra. I've been using Dogtra collars for a long time, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast. At the Police Canine Association, we've been using them, and that's all we use. Uh, we've been vendors for a while now, but we've been users of Dogtra collars way before we became vendors. At my kennel, I have a drawer full of them. I have the 1900S e collars, and I got a bunch of 600 bark collars. I like it nice and quiet. My kennel and those bark collars work perfectly. But Dogtra is not just sitting back doing nothing. They're out there uh, innovative designs, coming up with new stuff. And in May, they launched three new products. All right. They uh, sent them to Ted and I, and we get to test them. I cannot wait. This is the coolest part of my job here. Now, I want to talk to you about the one that I'm going to try, and that's the Pathfinder. It's a GPS tracking and training collar where no cellular is required. There's free detailed satellite and terrain views from Google Maps along with an offline maps mode. Easy location sharing for dogs and dog owners. History playback on your smartphone and computer and custom alerts for dog actions using pop-ups, sound, and vibration. I have two brand new dogs in my kennel. I just started introducing them tracking a couple days ago and I can't wait to get them out and get longer and try these things out. Bird dog guys, trial dog guys, these things are perfect for you guys. Um, check them out, man. They're not waiting on us. They got them out there because they are proven with their stuff. Give them a call, 888-811-9111. Dogtra. We all know the importance of having a good decoy for maintaining patrol and sport dogs. That's why I want to talk about Clint Morton, the North Texas working decoy. He specializes in sport and police dog training and bite work in all aspects and has since 2010. He's currently certified in the NADF and APPDA and currently training in PSA, APA, and USPCA. He'll travel for training expenses and work on whatever you need, and he's fantastic at problem solving with both sport work and with police work. Hit him up on Facebook, North Texas Working Decoy, or find him there as well, Clint Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N, or hit him up with his phone number, 214-796-3227. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street. Craziest fucker that you ever see. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, we are back again. It's Ted, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite from Tulsa, Torchlight Canine, Working Dog Dry Goods. Uh, with me from Canton is Eric Stanbro from Van Ness Canine. Eric, what's up? Uh, nothing, just got done working a cash job. Um, I'm going to take a second and shamelessly promote one of our uh, <laughs> one of our sponsors, Dogtra. <laughs> so, so what a lot of people don't know is Ted and I. Well, you may know this. Ted and I have been Dogtra people for a while, um, vendors and everything. But we're sponsored by them. But that's not why we uh, we really do believe in their product. And today, so today I was at um, the park. There's a park near my house, and I was working with some dogs. And uh, it's there's a bunch of ball fields and stuff, and there's nobody there. It's empty. So I'm doing um, article searches with a dog with a big mouth. And uh, 
I haven't taught him recall or anything like that. I'm just doing article searches. And I have him the, the Dogtra 1900S uh, e-collar on him. And I, I have him dragging a 30-foot leash, too. So we're out, and he's hunting for articles, and he stops. And you can just tell, you know, that he stops, picks his head up, and looks past me, behind me. And I'm, I turn around, and about 75 yards away is a, uh, an old, old guy and his little... Um, Little dog, whatever he was, uh, Chihuahua, I believe. And the thing looked like it was probably 13 years old. And this dog <laughs> just bolts for this for this you know, old dog. He takes off, and again, I haven't used recall on him, and I didn't. I don't even know what the e collar was set on. And I hit it, and it's not enough. So the nicest thing is I have that dog tra has that nice little smooth reestab dial. Right. So I turn it up without even looking at it. Don't even know what it, what it was. I just turn it up and hit the continuous. That dog, right as he was getting to him, turn around and come running back. <laughs> yes. Because he'd have killed that dog. Of course he <laughs> And that old dude, that old guy was like hyperventilate, you know, hyperventilating. And I, I grabbed the dog. He came all, I rode him all the way back to me, put him up. And uh, I went back there. And he's like, oh, thank God you had that collar on him. I'm like, who are you telling? <laughs> yeah, so, no kidding. I, for one, am thankful that I have dog truck. I, I didn't have anything that cool happen today. Um, <laughs> I am using their new ball popper, which has been awesome. Uh, I'm going to do a video for it probably this week. Uh, I'm going to build a new uh, – I'm going to modify my current box to use it, but uh, it's been great. Um, yeah, so tonight we're going to continue with our Women of Canine series um, we've got, uh, Susan Millard and we've got, uh, Kendall Boren tonight. Um, so, uh, first up we've got Susan. So Susan, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, doing well. So you are currently, it sounds like you're working. <laughs> uh, I, I am working. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of your background, um, how you got into canine, because you're in Dallas now, but you didn't start there. No, um, I actually grew up in the Panama Canal Zone, um, civilian government brat, had lots of dogs, pets, cats. Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, came to the U.S., joined the Air Force, and uh, got into security police. Of course, I wanted to be a canine handler, so I tried out, and I got canine. So that would be in, like, 78. Um, went to the old 12, is the old 12-week school where you start out with a green dog. And um, I didn't get to take my dog with me because my base didn't need one. And I think he, the dog that I had in school, Moose, ended up at uh, Andrews Air Force Base as a bomb dog. But anyhow, um, I was stationed at uh, Yokota Air Base, I'm sorry, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii, and then McConnell in Kansas, and uh, then the last base was Yokota in Japan. And I got out, and a few months later, I passed all my tests for DPD, and uh, I got on the force went through the academy and did three years of patrol. And then when I made senior corporal, I got a chance to be in canine. And the first was the first female patrol handler here in Dallas. Woo <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I've um, uh, been in canine ever since. I've worked um, patrol explosive detector dogs, um, straight patrol dog one. And uh, now I'm working a patrol drug dog. 
So it's safe to say that uh, you you've had a pretty good career of not working with other human beings. <laughs> you you exactly. managed to avoid that the exception of a few years. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So so you started off in 1978 in the Air Force, and we're in what year is it? 2018 now. So um, I mean, yeah. How what have you seen change in that amount of time? Aside from a lot. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk equipment. Okay. Um, in the air force, we had, uh, the old standard issue choke chain, uh, six foot leash, um, maybe a 30 foot line that they call a 360, uh, a muzzle, uh, the, uh, sleeves we used, they called wraps. They were just basically, uh, a long leather gauntlet and we would wrap target cloth around you know, the, the forearm area and tie it up with string. Um, hmm. I want to say towards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we call that a lot of D- protection. Yeah, we call they that had the a few DC of the old, wrap. Yeah, the old um, Michelin man suits. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd see them every once in a while, the kind that if you got tipped over your toast, you had to kind of do the turtle and protect your head until people could mm-hmm. pick you up. Um, yeah, that was not a lot of fun. Um they started getting uh, stuff from uh, from Ray Allen. I want to say about the time that I was in uh, either Kansas or Japan, they started getting like more of a, like your IPO type sleeves, which you know it was like, hey, I can hardly feel a thing. This is great, <laughs> you know, yeah, right, uh, that sort of thing. So equipment's gotten gotten a lot better. Um, the vehicles that we have to drive, um, the Air Force would just sort of, you know, put you in what whatever kind of vehicle they had. I, we had vans, uh, one-ton uh, Dodge pickup trucks where the dog just rode on the passenger side. You just put like an old bedspread over there and rode with them. And now I've got a, a Tahoe that's got a insert with a, you know a heat alarm and a door popper and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's definitely gotten. Uh more user friendly for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have one of those. Oh, old, yeah, we have one of those old ass e collars at the kennel that Scott had from shit. I don't know. It had to have been from like the late eighties or something. I mean, it was still a leather collar, and like, I mean, it was like seven pounds, and we it still mm-hmm. it still works. And I shit, you might as well just plug them in like a Christmas tree because that thing, I <laughs> I put it on my arm. And I was like, "Oh, how bad can this be? Bad." It's. I mean, yeah. it was the one that you would change the intensity by switching their end in and out on it. And wow! It had like a single button, yeah, that thing, and it looked like the old, like uh, the super big, like first cellular phone. So I mean, it Scott was like, "Oh, it's not probably not the that brick." Bad. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, "Oh, let's see." No, it's bad. Like, I, things have changed, thankfully, for the better part. So aside from the equipment side, like, what's changed um, with dogs? I mean, I'm sure back then. I mean, you know, some of the other people we've had on have talked about, you know, nobody even knew what a fucking Malinois was until, I don't know, like a certain, like, well, relatively recently in terms of what we're talking about. But I would assume most people, uh, I mean, what what has changed in dogs since then? Okay, so um, my first base, I actually, I was all set, you know, um, I wanted to get German Shepherd, and I actually didn't put in for Hawaii. I put in for everything else, like the Philippines, Korea, Guam. I was going to get my dog. I was going to get on the perimeter and, you know, do some serious, you know, butt kicking, you know. But I got sent to Hawaii, and I got a beagle, a drug <laughs> dog. They had, uh, 
a, a small sniffer dog program over in uh, Pacific Air Forces. Um, and you have a base that didn't really have a big patrol commitment, but they had a really high detection need. They had uh, the small sniffer dog program. Um, we had two there, uh, a beagle and uh, I want to say like a little spaniel. But um, so worked those. Um, then I worked at uh, Shepherd and they actually had the old military breeding program when I got to my second base. Did you ever hear of the biosensor dog? Yeah. That, <laughs> they bred. Yeah. yeah, we had one biosensor there. And then they kind of scrapped back, back, went back more towards like the junkyard dog that had been exposed to more environmental, you know, stuff than the dogs that were kind of lab raised, so to speak. Um, in Yakotas, when we started seeing, they did a little uh, experimentation with uh, giant schnauzers, bouviers, um, dobies. Uh, that's when we started seeing the mouths. And um, they actually started, instead of just procuring dogs in the United States, they went on some buying trips overseas and that's where i first saw some of the the dogs with the actual german papers and, and things like that so now um it's it's pretty terrific um right now we're getting our dogs uh, our dogs from a from a vendor that goes overseas and, and goes shopping but gosh even since i've been on dpd uh, i thought i was going to get uh, an import german dog but they didn't have any money so i started looking at the pound and looking around and actually my first dog here in dallas was a like a sport dog washout he was oh, just wow. a little bit too dirty for the sport side but he worked yeah. out great for me so huh. that's crazy yeah so um have you uh dallas how many dogs you guys have well um in my unit, which is the patrol side, we've got nine uh, patrol drug dogs, and mm -hmm. they're all shepherds. Then um, narcotics has, um, I think they just got two uh, single-purpose drug shepherds. But up, up till now, they'd had, uh, I think they had a Mal that was just a straight drug dog. But most of them, like maybe five or six years, in the last five or six years, they started experimenting with the pointy-ear types. But mm -hmm. they, um, up until then, they had labs. Um, so they worked mainly labs. And there's, I think there's five of them, and they actually have one currency detector dog. Oh. That yeah. look, looks to me like a lab pit bull sort of mix. Yeah. And you guys. Um, and then we've also, we've got, I think we have six um, just single purpose TSA dogs that are worked, they're TSA dogs, but they're actually worked by DPD handlers, and they're, in a, they're out there at Low Field Airport. Yeah, Tulsa has that program, too. Yeah, TPDs, like, their guys are all the Lackland dogs, yeah. And you guys, uh, they just got a new SWAT dog, too, didn't you? Yes, they did. Um, uh, DJ, um, yeah. he did his patrol cert, and now they're kind of working him in with the team, getting them used to working with the dog. Yeah. Because... Um, up until now, if they actually needed to put SWAT and canine together, they just sort of said, all right, let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it'll be the first time they've had a, a dedicated SWAT dog, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I met not the handler, but one of the guys from the SWAT team uh, at SHOT Show uh, through a mutual friend. Man, it's been two years ago, and they started the whole process of looking for one. So I guess Mark Cuban paid for the dog or something. I don't know what happened or how it happened. That's what I heard, yeah. yeah so, yeah, Mark Cuban donated the dog, so... <laughs> yeah. I guess that helps, but yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, you started out in 93 is when you got promoted and then started in K-9. Um, and yeah. your oh, shit, how long is that? 93 is a while. So you're on your, <laughs> yeah, you're on <laughs> like your, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's a while. You're on what, what are you like? Your second, third dog, third dog now, right? Fourth. 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 Shit. Yoel is your fourth yeah. dog, correct? He is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, since this is the women and canine thing, you know, we wanted to do this entire series because, um, you know, canine is a very ma- law enforcement in general is very male dominated. Canine is very male dominated, and um, you, know, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've ever been to any of the shows, you know. Um, so, <laughs> talk about a little bit. I mean, from the time you got in in '93, I mean, you were the first female handler, obviously. Um, what was it like? for you as a female handler, obviously in an extremely male dominated position in law enforcement. And then in in a time when it wasn't really as integrated as much as it is now, because I I actually have several female handlers that I've trained that are actually really, really good. So, I mean, things have changed, but I mean, what was it like back in 93? Well, um, the trainer at the time was a guy named Sam Marcher, um, really, extremely knowledgeable about dogs, but, uh, I was the first female officer to ever ride in his car with him. Oh Lord. Cause he'd been, you know, in Canaan and SWAT before that a long time. So, but he was, he was really cool. Um, first time I came out, they basically got all their dogs out and we did bite work and I was the decoy. I caught all the dogs. And after that, once they saw that I kind of had, had kind of a groove going for, you know, mm. I, I know how to decoy. Um, we rode, we rode, we rode together, you know, a lot. And he would let me set up training problems because I'd done it already done it in the military and, uh, found that their training manual was actually based on the U S customs training manual, which mm. is pretty close. If you ever look at them, the old one from like the nineties, it's almost the same as the old um, Air Force Regulation 125.5, the military working dog program. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was kind of familiar, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, you know, I thought you know it was going to be some big culture clash, but actually, it was pretty cool. That that is, yeah, it sounds like it. So um, <laughs> you are now. So I worked four dogs also uh, before I became the full time trainer, and uh-huh. I had. Things that I liked and hated about each dog. So you're on your fourth. We'll just stick with the police dogs of the four. So uh-huh. kind of go through the differences a little bit real quick. Like what, what would you take from each one if you had to make your perfect dog for you oh, for wow. you at work? Like okay. which one was so awesome at this and what made them that way? And which one was like, I hated that. Well, um, let's say Kuga, my first dog. That was a sport dog washout. He got to be about two years old. He was uh, bought as a puppy from a breeder, local breeder here in Dallas that was into Schutzen. And uh, they, they said that he kind of figured out he could back his owners down. They'd tell him no, and he'd brrr. And they said, woo, we don't want this. And they returned him to the breeder, and that's where I got him. Um, and... It was weird. I've never really had this with uh, any dog that I've worked, but for the first two weeks I had him, um, he would do everything I told him to do, but he was 
completely not responsive to any praise. In other words, like not even a little tail wag or anything, but he would do everything you told him to do. And then after a couple of weeks, I guess he figured I was going to stick around. And then I was his person and that was it. You know, um, he wasn't one that, you know, other people could come up and pet or anything like that. Um, and he was just a really cool dog. He was a, he was good at, really good at tracking. Um, so um, with him, I guess the thing I liked the most about him was just his, his loyalty to me and the fact that he didn't just glom onto me immediately. That was kind of unique. With mm-hmm. him, um, Ben uh, was a big Czech Shepherd. Um, I always used to joke that you know if he was a guy, he'd have like the pocket protector and the, the glasses with the tape on him. He was just kind of a kind of a dweeb, but he uh, he was weird. Um, I made a, a lot of fines with him on tracking, but when we set up training problems, they would say that he must be talking to like a spirit guide or something because he could blow every turn and just go straight to the guy. It, it, it was, it was really just weird. Um, but he was, he was really a cool dog and um, he, I had a lot of, a lot of good um, success, particularly in tracking. I actually got to take him to a, a trailing school um, where they had hounds mm-hmm. and worked on scent discrimination, which wasn't something that we were really doing at the time. Um, and uh, I really liked the way he worked. He was a, uh, kind of a natural trailer, not, not really more, not one of these like footstep for footstep kind of dogs. And I really liked the way he could switch back and forth between, you know, air scent and trailing to, to get to the guy, whatever it took. Right. Um, Rex was a really cool dog. He was a straight patrol dog. Um, he was just, I used to call him the trunk monkey. He was kind of a kind of a goofy dog, but um, when I first got him, he was only 13 months old, and I actually was a little bit worried about, you know, he was just so friendly. But we got off training, and the very first bad guy, um, I said, "Show me your hands." He didn't show his hands. He, he went in the bushes and bit him, and after that, it, it was like somebody flipped the switch on him. The next day, you know same person who would come up and pet him the day before he was like nope selling death no one's coming near him wow <laughs> just uh he was not he was a good <laughs> dog he he wouldn't like actively go after people but he definitely had his little you know circle of uh circle of safety around the handler sort of thing um so he wasn't like a dog that you could you know mill around people as long as they just left him alone he was he was fine um but he was a really an awesome dog um a really great tracker and uh, I really liked him. Now, yo, <laughs> he's, uh, he's completely different. Um, he's uh, really good at tracking. Uh, he's actually um, found critical missing. And he, the cool thing about him is that he's neutral at the end of the track. It's completely dependent on what he sees. He doesn't automatically, you know, fire up or go out on a person. If, if the person's uh, a critical missing person or a child, he's perfectly happy to me just tossing his toy and going his way. And if it's a bad guy and he has to TCB, well, there he goes. So he's kind of the best of both worlds. And he's probably one of the best demo dogs I've ever had because he's just really laid back um, around people. He's very comfortable around people, around kids, adults, 
Chief, you know, all kinds of cool oh, yeah. things like that. So he's a, a real kind of our social media dog for the department because you can take him right around people. Um, you know, they had like, you know, National Donut Day was just the other day and they had people running around and uh, dressed up like donuts. And I've had dogs in the past that probably would have mm. said, that looks a little bit like a bike suit, but not right. this guy, you know. <laughs> he let me put a big blow up donut around his neck and went around shaking hands and eating donuts and having a party. So, yeah, See, I knew you would know. I knew you would remember every little thing about every dog. <laughs> oh, was it too, a little bit too much? <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, you remember every probably every single date of every change in your career. So I knew you would remember that stuff. So how many how many officers <laughs> does DPD have right now? I want to say we're. Under just under three thousand. So yeah, you probably obviously don't know everybody there, correct? No, because canine, you don't. Uh, the place where you get to meet and greet and keep up with what's going on is jail. But no. canine, <laughs> once you catch the bat, you, well, when you're hanging out at jail doing your reports, waiting for your warrants to come in, you know, all that kind of thing. Right. So, um, canine, you just hand over the bad guy to patrol, and they go to jail. So, so are you like you the people... um, are you like the big role model there for the for like the female officers and things? Are you like a little bit of a mini celebrity when these new people get hired? I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I I kind of try to blend in. Um, we just got our the, the second female in canine. Just uh, she just got off training with her dog, just um, like maybe two months ago. Oh, so, so um, you've been the only one up until two months ago. Yeah. Wow. Since the sixties when they started. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, you you you're a rock star. You just are humble and you don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh man, uh, we're gonna take two seconds here uh, to talk about some people that pay for the storage on this thing, and then now uh, we'll come back. Okay. Tripwire Operations Group. We're first responders dedicated to first responders. We believe the most highly trained create a safer America. We prepare military and first responders to protect our country by providing products, training, services, and relationships that together no one else provides. Tripwire provides virtually every type of explosive product currently manufactured. We also produce our very own binary explosive text pack. Tripwire provides military and law enforcement training, consulting, canine advanced training, and firearm sales and training. Folks, Ryan and the boys over at Tripwire are true badasses in the industry. Go check them out at www.tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org. Let's take a second and talk about Dogtra. As two trainers with proper training tools are the key to unleashing any dog's potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools in e-collar training, GPS tracking, and boss training to support dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. One of the ways they do that is superior technology, ergonomics, design, and durability. They have gradual and precise stimulation control via their patented 127-level rheostat dial, so you have a minimal jump in stimulations they have trusted durability and reliability. I use them every day at the kennel and have for years. Works all the time, every time. Weatherproof, waterproof, and pretty much idiot-proof. They're, speaking of which, is intuitive and innovative. There's no fuss, no hassle. 
when you hear Eric talking about making sure the handlers know exactly where the remote is and it's a no-look use, this is exactly what he's talking about. Hit him up at doctor.com. Let me hop in here and talk about our one of our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high-drive dual-purpose and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1-877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 and speak with Bill and to discuss your canine needs today. Or visit southerncoastcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number 9. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at southerncoastcanine, the letter K, the number 9. All right, we're back uh, with Susan Millard from Dallas PD. Uh, so we've been talking about your old dogs, talking about how you were the only female handler, and you guys literally just got a new handler she just finished what you said two months ago. Do you guys do green dogs and do them in service, or how do you guys do them? No. Um, the Lately, we've been buying dogs um, from a vendor. We've mm-hmm. got dogs from, uh, in fact, Yole came and, and the new dog. Both came from Southern Coast. I think you guys know them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and they do a, a certain amount of training on them. They imprint the, uh, the drug odors on them. And then sort of, I guess, a certain level of familiarity with uh, tracking air scent, building search. They do all their environmental screening, and then we take it from there. Um, Dallas does um, RCMP-style tracking. Okay. Um, Maybe, uh, let's see, how many dogs ago? When I still had my second dog, (laughs) they sent two of our trainers at the time, uh, way back in the day, they sent a couple of our trainers up to um, Canada to train with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, their interest was sparked by the DVDs that um, Ed Frawley from Learburg had. Right. Yeah. And just watching the way those guys were running, we were we were sort of doing. Um, now I was doing a little bit of trailing, um, a, a la Bloodhound with with my chef, but. Um, most of the guys were trying doing something which is more like the Schutzen style tracking, you know, footstep for footstep. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we we saw those DVDs and we were all just like, oh my god, you know, we gotta have that. So they sent trainers up there for a month to uh, train with the RCMP and came back. And um, so anyhow, that's what that's the kind of the style of tracking that, that we like to do now. So it takes it that you want to get. Uh, that kind of deep nose um, solidified in your dog before you branch off into building search, air scent, things like that, where he gets that success by keeping his head down and just going, you know, for half a mile, three quarter mile, mile, stuff like that. So it takes a little bit longer than I guess other types of tracking training, but it, it puts out a really nice dog. A lot of the handlers I know from large agencies, especially ones that have air support, don't even end up doing as too much tracking because they have so much backup and air support that it's mostly area searches. But are you guys still right. really getting into the tracking? I mean, you really enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Having success? Oh, yeah. It? That's 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 my groove. I mean, that, that's my thing. Uh, 
uh, I love tracking. It's just, I mean, there's nothing like it when you get there and patrols just like, yeah, forget it. You know, guy's yeah. gone, he's toast, he's gone. And you're like, well, you know, let me see what I can find. And you cast your dog around and bring that bag out of the woods. I mean, there's yeah. nothing like it. <laughs> nothing. You know, it's not, the, I mean, it's awesome. Anytime you catch somebody, even if you have somebody, you know, a helicopter with a flare saying, okay, two steps to the right over there, guide them in. You got it, you know. But yeah. when you can pull something out of a hat like that where everybody's given up and they're just like, and, you know, you can actually get that bad guy. I mean, that's that's the stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing I think about Dallas versus some other large departments is the vast amount of land space that Dallas has. So you have tons of green space still, and it's not all just fenced in backyards, you know. And oh, no, we got LA. we got woods because – you can, uh, there's a certain, certain criteria that will virtually guarantee that the area will not be contaminated and they will call canine keywords like large warehouse, swamp, creek, (laughs) 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 things like that, you know, they'll be very happy to, you know, to wait for you to go down there with the dog. So, um, their, patrol is pretty good about setting up good perimeters and we do get support, you know, um, weather permitting from, from our helicopter, um, from Air One, so um, that's always good. But yeah, we we do a lot of tracking. That's awesome. I I love training tracking dogs. I admittedly, as a handler, was a horrible tracking handler. I did all really? the thing. Oh, I was terrible. Uh, my when I became the trainer and I worked my last two dogs, I got I got way better. But the first two dogs I worked, um, I did all the bad things that I that I smacked people for the guessing and the. He couldn't. Where are you going? He couldn't have went over there. No guy would go over there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hold me back. Hold me back. Right. But my guys that yeah. I train now have, especially my niche, midnight shift guys, have an infinite amount of more successful tracks than I do. Like, I'm always amazed at how well they do. And I was like, man, I sucked. I really sucked. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, what I can do is train a tracking dog. So I definitely, I definitely. There like you go. Um, so being, being, I'm 23 years in right now at my department. And, uh, so I have to ask some law enforcement type s- stuff that, you know, my guys will be pissed if I don't ask. So we're coming okay. up on, we're coming up on two years from the worst incident, probably in the history of law enforcement besides nine 11 for the shootings down there in, in Dallas. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and of course that devastated everybody. We sent guys from Canton down. Uh, I think they stayed with Dallas PD officers at their house. I mean, it, 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 that whole thing was un, unbelievable. What, so out of tragic incidents or cr- critical incident and everything comes policy changes, strategy changes, and everything like that. How How is policing different in Dallas now since July 7th of 16? Um, we've got uh, more people that are qualified with rifle. We also got... Um, Everybody has the extra heavy vest um, mm-hmm. for rifle rounds. Right. Um, I, I, I believe bef- we, we did have the down officer kits where you've got the uh, Israeli bandage, a clotting agent, and a, and a tourniquet. But we had those before, but, I mean, everybody is on board with, with having all that. Um, the SWAT dog, that came out of um, – that came out of that incident when you have a need for an explosive detector dog, but the only, the dogs at your disposal are just single purpose 
dogs, you know, more in tune with working, you know, um, warehouses, luggage, buildings, and not like, say, integrating with a SWAT team moving through a building, not doing directed off-leash, you know, obedience, and um, that that posed kind of a problem. And I think that was a little bit of the, uh, that kind of spurred them on to uh, actually, you know, getting it together and, and getting a SWAT dog. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's it's tragic that it comes out of that, but, um, and that's the thing, you can't plan for everything, right? So, um, no. and, and and there's always big changes that come out of that type of stuff. So are your, uh, like if you wanted to be a super busy ass explosive dog handler, is Dallas a place to go? Are those guys just humping everywhere all the time now, more so than before, or has it been pretty steady? I want to, you know, you, the bomb dogs that we have, like I said, DJ, the, the SWAT dog, you know, he's just finishing up, you know, the SWAT part and, um, explosive detection. I don't think he's had any kind of call outs yet. Um, and the TSA dogs spend most of their time, um, I believe, uh, per TSA regs at the airport, but they do an, 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 a lot of um, outside sweeps. Um, like we've got coming up here, our State Fair of Texas. That's a big event. Anytime they have any games, they'll bring the dogs over here, you know, to sweep mm -hmm. the the venues and things like that. But um, it kind of goes in cycles. Um, when I first came over um, to the unit, they weren't really interested in drug dogs. All of the dogs were patrol explosive detector dogs. That's really? all they wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, the, I was working the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, we got called in four hours early and worked four hours late. And all I did, we did, was just go from bomb threat to bomb threat to bomb threat. It was wow. It was, it was a bad day. <laughs> yeah, that's but, just weird um, how the country works, man. Yeah, it's weird how it cycles because, like back then, they were like drug dog. We don't need no stinking drug dog, you know. And then right. and it was all about the bomb dogs. And then when they started getting the TSA dogs, they like, well, hey, we don't have to do bomb training anymore. We're done. It's all them. And then then it was like, hey, wait a minute, you know, maybe we need something more. So um, I'd like to see. I like to see more of a balance, you know, where you have uh, a little bit of everything and that way you're not running around at the last minute trying to get, you know, a dog, the dog you need, you've got it right there. So. Right. Awesome. So, um, what, uh, I guess for as long as you've been in and seen everything change <clears throat> and I, it is easier now for, women to become handlers um and then even to go because i i actually know a um female handler in florida that was also a swat um she was also on the swat team and awesome. you know yeah uh, she's awesome casey i think she's probably listening but um what if because i've had a lot of um females or alicia more specifically has had females ask her you know like how do you how do and she's like i don't know how do you what advice would you want to give some females that are already police officers that want that are interested in canine aside from going to the department that has canine already um but uh, i mean and i think we talked about this in another show but is there anything specific um being this is the women of canine side that you would give some of the females that want to be handlers I would say um, take advantage of uh, op any opportunities you have to uh, go to uh, training, even uh, with with sport dogs or uh, search and rescue. Any anything that you can do um, to experience um, 
different ways that dogs are deployed and used and things like that, have that in your bag of tricks. Uh, and I know most departments like to say, you know, uh, we're going to train you from scratch, that sort of thing. But I, I really believe that it does give you an advantage. And let's, let's say you're, a, you're an officer on a department. Um, one thing that is near and dear to, I believe, all working <laughs> dog handlers is all hail the decoy, right? The right. really good yeah. decoy. The decoy that, that, that's not going to just you know, stand there and catch your dog like a telephone pole and break his tooth. The one that's really going to make your dog take it to the next level. Um, so come on out. Um, you know, when you meet canine handlers, ask them if they, uh, if they need help, if they need decoys. If, uh, like our department, we try to train patrol officers that are interested um, in, in decoying and that sort of thing. Um, that's kind of, to me, the key, you know, um, have an active interest in it, um, take advantage of learning opportunities, keep an open mind, and uh, decoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody appreciates it. Well, I mean, that, the decoy makes or breaks your dog. I mean, oh, yeah. he's your dog's best friend or he's, or he's your worst nightmare, you know? I always so, tell um, my... An awesome decoy is like, man, that's... that's that's the cheese right there. Eric and I both tell of all of our handlers that train with us all the time that they don't really understand how good they have it. Because <laughs> my guys that train with me all the time have access to me all the time. They're just like, oh, it's going to be Ted or Josh decoying, so that's great. And some of them think that we're, we're all like that. No. So. <laughs> uh, negative ghost writer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, and then they'll go to other groups and come back and be like, "Yeah, we're we shouldn't have done that." Yeah, so <laughs> like, that was a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a that's a big deal, and that's a um, that's one. And with this episode, will air after the one I'm about to mention. But uh, we had Fred on from uh, I don't think I can actually say what unit he was in, but he was in a special missions unit in the army, and you know was the chief master sergeant uh i think for their for the for canine for that for the that unit and uh, wow. he um you know eric and i asked him we're like you know what two things like if you're gonna have to give law enforcement guys you know two pieces of advice what are they and he had two very good responses but the short answers were basically have a very good relationship and a bond with a dog and make sure the team has a bond with the dog and he's specifically talking about team movements because of the way those guys operate. And then he said, you've got to have a good decoy. Like you absolutely have to have a good one. Yeah. Non-negotiable. And, yeah. And he was like, those are the two things. Other than that, everything else can be, you know, worked around or can be figured out some other way. But I was like, wow. So this dude, yeah. I was like, Oh, this guy says that. I mean, so yeah, I mean, yeah. you're a hundred percent correct. And it is one yeah. of the, like thankless jobs, I think a lot of times. I take that back. I mean, when you have access to a good decoy, cops really, really appreciate it. Um, I sometimes oh, think yeah. that some other people um, look at it the other way, like they're doing us a favor, doing me for who, not me, but just in general, they're doing people a favor for letting their dog bite me. And I'm like, eh, no, I've been bit enough. I'm good, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, I don't need to be bit anymore. Yeah. No, yeah, so. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that prevailing trend. So, um, so how far are you from? Because you just got Yol, right? Or well, not just? I mean, uh, no, I've had him. Uh, oh gosh, um, coming up on four years. Okay, so. so not like just just, but I mean, yeah. So, uh, how much longer are you going to do another one after him? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to see the canine handler get out of the car and. 
Papa and the four wheel drive rascal, you know, with their dog in the sidecar, you know. Right. So, you know, <laughs> at some point you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it up, you know. But uh, we'll see. Right. Yeah, us old timers, all we talk about is exit strategy, though. You know, <laughs> you exit strategy. Clock, a clock, a down, you know, a clock is ticking backwards and a countdown, yeah. and we all got that that exit strategy. But it sounds to me like you're still loving what you do, and that's oh yeah. yeah. When you can do that, I mean, what you're one of the most probably the senior person in canine or pretty close. The most senior. The most, and you're working. Are you working afternoon shift? Well, I work days, but tonight's training night. Oh, so. okay. All right. I was gonna yeah. say that's ridiculous, but uh, that makes sense. So. I don't know. All right. Well, that's this has been awesome. I, I've loved. Oh it. yeah, I've loved having you on. Uh, in the canine world, everybody knows who you are. So just so you know, in the police canine world. Um, <laughs> And and we're 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 really happy to have you come on here. Um, you've had a hell of a career. It's been it's been neat, man. I, I like this interview. It was really good. Well, yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, we super appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, Eric, uh, we're gonna do uh, Kindle here in just a second. So, Susan, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. So well, it's been great talking with you. Yeah. Yep. Tell, tell all the guys at training to listen to us, damn it. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, I will. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks, all right. We'll talk to you it. soon. Thank you. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lucky ass, and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit that would make Jacob Davis happy. He's <laughs> going to Google that to get the joke. Arno uses top quality materials and handmates each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best white equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights from training weight to comp weight which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some cavalier inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at aomk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9 or Arno, A-R-N-O at aomsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here and I go get bit. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Bryant of Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E dot blogspot dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.